Well, hello folks. You might be aware that the live link didn't work to this morning and the sermon wasn't properly recorded. So here I am in my house later on in the day recording it for you. I hope this is helpful. It will be helpful for you to turn to Revelation chapter 12 and have that in front of you. Obviously it won't be on screen for you to look at. And there might be some points where you hear some background noise here, some kids asking for supper or things like that. Uh, we'll just plough on as best we can. So Denison Baptist, you've got a new building and a new ministry in Capstone. A great encouragement and possibly a prophetic word last week. A small torch, but a big light. Time will tell on that. You're planning to bring salt and light to the community and upscale what you're doing. And as you conquer the evils of the world in the name of Jesus, what is it that's sure to happen? Will you be allowed to conquer easily with no opposition? Or will you be attacked by the enemy? You had better get ready. For the accuser attacks from out with the church and from within. He attacks in multifaceted ways with lies and manipulation. Sometimes with obvious demonic activity, but much more often with subtlety, making what the Lord God has said to avoid look desirable to the eyes. So we need to get ready. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word just now, we thank you for it. And we thank you for Jesus and for his, his spirit, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given to us, that helps us understand your word, that wrote your word, Lord God, and that gives us faith. Help us to have the eyes of faith just now, to see and understand and to know, to know that Jesus is victorious and that he has conquered the demon. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're thinking under the heading today, the defeated dragon. If in January 2010 you'd opened up a newspaper with a political cartoon in which an eagle was scratching out the eyes of a bear, I wonder if you'd have understood it. You might if you had read that the FBI had just arrested 10 Russian spies. You see, when we understand the symbols, the American eagle, the Russian bear, and we understand the events of the time, we can make sense of the literature. It's just like that as we look into the apocalyptic literature, which is Revelation. Of course, it's a vision that's given by Jesus to John, and John writes these revel or writes this revelation rather to seven churches in the first century. Now we need to remember then that it's full of signs that point to reality. That means it's not literal. But the metaphors point to something real. You see, there's not really a dragon, but there is a devil. So to understand the signs in Revelation, we need to know the rest of the Bible. <laughs> what a surprise that is, eh? To fully grasp the last part of the story, we need to have understood what came before. Well, of course. John has been given a revelation by Jesus of what was, what is, and what is to come. But we can't just view the whole thing sequentially. It's like a huge big tapestry that John zooms in and out on different parts. Like a big canvas. It's this big vision. And he does it all to highlight, listen, that Jesus is the slain lamb who reigns. Jesus is a slain lamb who reigns. Now we're jumping into the middle of a vision for a standalone sermon, which means you aren't getting the whole picture. 
Basically, today we're looking at the cosmic battle that is behind the persecution of seven churches in the first century. And this is the same battle you and I face today as Christians, and we will do until the end of the age. The comforting message, though, is that God's chosen people today conquer the dragon by resisting his influence and by the Lamb's atoning blood. Now, as we read Revelation 12, there's so much that is uh, references to other parts of the Bible. For example, any time you hear a flood in the Bible, well, that's judgment. Reminds us of Noah. When we think of the wilderness, and particularly provision in the wilderness, think of Hagar, and of course, of the Exodus journey, the 40 years, the 40 years of provision for the people. Think too of Satan's testing of Jesus, and Jesus winning in the wilderness. When we hear the bit where it says, Israel, or rather the woman, is saved by eagle's wings. Think of this from uh, Deuteronomy. You yourselves, says the Lord God, have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And there's also the bit where it says time, times and half a time. What's that about? That's a quote from Daniel and it means three and a half years. So are you ready to read? Watch out then for a seven-headed dragon who is set on destroying a cosmic woman, a victorious child and a heavenly battle. If I manage to make this boring for you, I have utterly failed, or you have no imagination. So let's read the passage, starting at chapter 11 and verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and the Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore, 
Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Now just like our author John, who is, part, who is our partner in the tribulation and is exiled on a Greek island, you too hold to the testimony of Jesus. You show you love him by keeping his commands. Be encouraged that you hold to the testimony of Jesus the Christ unto death. And that being true, a seven-headed, ten-horned, red dragon has declared war on you. The dragon is frustrated. He is furious, for he has lost. Now basically there are three different scenes for us to look at in this chapter, giving us three subheadings. The first two are history, the victorious child, the defeated dragon, and the third describes a present day reality, dangerous dragon, conquering church. So first, thinking under the heading, the victorious child. Our first task in the passage is to look at the characters and try to understand who they are. John starts his section with two signs or symbols. In other words, they represent something. Well then, a great red dragon, who's this, with seven heads, each crowned? Seven kingdoms. Seven in the Bible meaning completeness. Ah, this dragon is at work in all kingdoms, in every kingdom. He's at work throughout all the powers of the world. In fact, he's even pulled down one third of the stars of heavens, the heavenly beings, angels with him. Who could this enemy of the woman be? Well, we read in Genesis 3, at verse 14 and 15, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and, on, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So in Genesis, the Satan, the serpent, is told one day a child will come who will defeat him. So the serpent's waiting for the birth. He's poised to strike. This hostility is the cosmic conflict behind the scenes of all existence that we experience today. You know who the enemy of the woman is, don't you? And we're told at verse 9, And that great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and the Satan. The deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. John makes it quite clear who the dragon is. It is the hater of God, the accuser, which is what the Satan means. The accuser, the, the enemy of all that is good. And John too makes it quite clear what he desires and it's frightening. 
Verse 4b, the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Now I've been at three births. They were all, especially the third, to some extent, traumatic. But this description is quite harrowing, isn't it? The dragon baby snatcher, waiting in the maternity ward for the child to be born so as to eat it. This is frightening imagery. But be brave, church. This dragon might have seven heads, but not the brains to comprehend that the child will conquer it. Let's look at this woman who the dragon hates. Who is she? Verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. There's your clue. Twelve is the clue. In another dream in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph dreamed of the sun, moon and eleven stars bound to him, the twelfth star, sun, moon and twelve stars, the people of God at that time, Israel. Twelve in Revelation is the number for the people of God. The cosmic woman is the people of God at this time, Israel, from whom the Saviour is born, born to Mary. Entrusted to her and Joseph. Merry Christmas. The woman is Israel. And we read at verse 2. She was pregnant. And was crying out in birth pains. And the agony of giving birth. At verse 5 we read. She gave birth to a male child. One who is to rule all the nations. With a rod of iron. This Revelation 12 woman gives birth to the conquering Sam 2 begotten son who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Yeah, a big iron rod, a big kosh. The child is born from the 12 starred woman from Israel and for Israel. From the people of God at the time and for the people of God across all time and that includes us. Well, there's no prizes for guessing who the child is who's born from Israel. From his birth to his death, the dragon attacks Jesus. Remember how, through Herod, the Satan tried to snuff him out right at the start by murdering all the boys under two. Yeah, sometimes the dragon attacks through violent people. Yet the dragon is unable to touch the child. God's will rules. As Jesus begins his ministry where the Holy Spirit descends on him, you'll remember that no doubt, the dragon attacks. This time not with murderous violence, but with subtle temptation. The dragon is the father of lies. But Jesus is the winner in the wilderness. The child is victorious. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations, with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Well, that's a quick fast forward of all that Jesus accomplished, from birth to ascension and rule in a verse. The accuser attacks Jesus, but he has nothing on him. In John 14 language, the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. To our Jesus, the bright morning star, this dragon is utterly toothless. 
The child who has been opposed by the dragon is victorious and now rules. It's Sam too, viewed from the other side of the cross. Worth checking that out. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. The enemies of King Jesus will be smashed like pottery with an iron rod, which is what verse 1 to 5, 1 through to 5 is really all about. You see, Jesus is victorious and on the throne of the universe. And Sam 2 tells us of the right response. Kiss the son. Acknowledge his rule. Acknowledge him and worship. Church, I'm sure you have done this. Isn't it wonderful, therefore, that you've been called under this rule, under his protection, called into his team. We are his people, the new Israel. The son is victorious. And so we are now a protected people. We are the offspring of the woman. The child is victorious. And our second point, and much shorter, the defeated dragon. We see this from verse 7 onwards. Let's look at scene 2, which is the same historical event of Jesus, um, of Jesus on earth, but this time seen from a heavenly perspective. Notice where we that Jesus ascends, the devil descends, and it's not of his own will. Now war arose in heaven, war between Michael and his angels and the dragon and his angels. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. You're out of here. The great dragon was thrown down. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Twice more the term thrown down is used. This is defeat. This is not Satan's will. Down serpent, on your belly. Eat the dust serpent. All the days of your life. You struck her offspring. He has crushed your head. The serpent is still dangerous until Christ returns, but take courage and rejoice. The dragon is defeated. And our third point, the dangerous dragon, but the victorious church, the conquering church. Now I've played a lot of football matches, matches where my team have known they've won but the final whistle is some way off and these games can turn nasty. The other team, they know they've lost and there's often a few players in it that just can't take it. You know the type. They've lost, so there's nothing to lose. The dragon might not score an equalising goal, but he might just break your cheekbone, your nose or your leg. It might get dangerous. It might get nasty. But you've won, so on the field, you suck it up and endure it to the final whistle. Well then, the Satan is a defeated and thrown down enemy because Jesus has won. And because of that, he's raging. And in this present age, he's dangerous. But please notice, the prize is already awarded. The trophy is given. Look at verse 10. Now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. Do you see that it's in the present tense? Salvation is now for a believer. The prize is now and will be fully realised in Christ's return. The dragon is defeated, but the final whistle has not sounded. But we are in a new age. The age of the gospel. 
the dragon is defeated by the cross. And as we read verses 10 through to 11, we begin to see why. You see, the dragon would want to judge us. Look at verse 10. He accuses our brothers. He accuses in the day. He accuses in the night. But he cannot conquer the blood of the Lamb or the word of our testimony, even unto death. Why is it that the dragon is defeated by Christ's death? Why does it make a true believer untouchable by this dragon? Why is it that in Christ we conquer him? Do you see that? It's they conquer. It's us that conquer because of Jesus. Why? It's because he is disarmed. You see, he attacks by accusation. Something like this. If I am bound for hell, why is Callum not bound for hell? You see, like a prosecution lawyer, the accuser presents his watertight case against me. Let's have a look at the video evidence against Callum. Oh dear, he's lost his temper at school with that child, hasn't he? Oh, and look at the screen over here. He's had too much to drink there, and now look. Turn your eyes away. And there's multiple breaches of your law. Won't the judge of all the earth do what is right? This accuser whispers in my ear. You are too evil for heaven. Too bad. Give up the pretense before they throw you down. And of course, the dragon is right. His case is watertight against me. As it is against you. Until I remember, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me to depart. When Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because a sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Wonderful. And isn't it wonderful when songs teach us the theology? Of course the judge of the earth will do what is right. He will say, Callum's sin is paid for by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus' death on the cross. On the cross. And therefore, it would be unjust of me, says the Father, to overlook the perfect sacrifice of the Son. It would be unjust not to give Christ his inheritance. Away from me, accuser! And enter into my rest, believer. You see, in heaven, the dragon is defeated, and so we are welcomed in. Even whilst on earth he rages, in heaven we are eternally secure. So be brave and realise that because of Jesus' sacrificial death for you, you cannot be eternally harmed or snatched away. But even when I fail, time and time again, yes. So long as you're not taking Christ's atoning blood for granted, 
I can do what I like because of it. No, no, that's the devil's lies. That attitude suggests you're not born again. But yes, the true believer cannot be snatched away by the dangerous dragon. Now think, to the first century churches in persecution under Roman rule, being called to conquer is a call to bravery. This is the call to look at the horrific on-the-ground reality they live with, with the eyes of heaven. It is a call to be so heavenly-minded that you can be of earthly good. So imagine the scene, it's AD 85 on a Thursday night and your missional community group should be meeting. It's going to meet in Marcus and Paulina's house. You know those guys. The Romans are cracking down on Christianity and it's subversive claim that Caesar's not king, but Jesus is. And the news has come through on WhatsApp. Now, the Romans were really technically ahead of the game, by the way. The news comes through on WhatsApp that Marcus has been taken away by soldiers for disloyalty to the empire, for subversive teaching. Paulina still wants you to meet in a couple of hours to lead the meeting. And you know the Romans are bound to be waiting. Do you go? You know, if you're not heavenly minded, you don't. If all you can see is the horror show and the dragon, you stay at home, you wipe your phone's memory and you leave Paulina to her fate. But let's read verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. Of course you go, because as church you're heavenly minded, you know the big picture. Every resistance of the dragon here on earth shows he is conquered. Every act of faith in your heavenly destination by the blood of the Lamb conquers the dragon. Every act of word and testimony conquers. Yes, maybe even especially unto death. It conquers. The dragon is conquered by Jesus' sacrifice. And this is added to by ours. The dragon is defeated again and again. So whilst the dragon is dangerous, the church is victorious. And therefore, we read at verse 12, Rejoice, O heavens, he's thrown down, and all who dwell in them. For the on-the-ground reality for us is but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. You see, the scene has moved to the present, back to earth. The focus of the dragon turns from the sun to the woman and her offspring who remain on earth. The dragon's attention has fully turned to us, the people of God. Now in terms of time, this covers the period between Christ's ascension and his return. So, right now. Now you'll know the Romans reset the dating system to Christ's birth, not his death. So this gospel age, these last days, have been nearly 2,000 years. It's a long time. We read at verse 13. 
When the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the child. He's raging. He's a demented dragon. In verse 14, But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she's to be nourished for a time, times and half a time. And you'll be going, ah, oh, that's right, that's where we left the woman in verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, in which she was to be nourished for 1,260 days. And I know you all know that that's three and a half years in the Hebrew calendar. So time, times, and half a time. Three and a half, three and a half years. Okay, you've been half an hour in. Your brain may be getting a bit fried here, but come on, it's great storytelling, isn't it? Angry dragons going to attack the cosmic woman. She escapes by flying away with eagle's wings. Somehow she's going to be nourished in the wilderness. She's escaped. But oh no, look at verse 15. The dragon opens its mouth. Oh no, here comes the fire. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river and the dragon had poured that the dragon had poured from its mouth. Then the dragon became furious. Don't know what the dragon was before, but he's furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. It is sobering. It's to make war on you and me. Well, there's so much we could unpack here. We could nerd out on all the Bible references that I mentioned earlier. Eagle's wings saving Israel. Times, time and half a time. Hagar, Exodus, etc. But let's focus on what helps us most to understand what's going on today in our age. In the age of the devil's great wrath, where his time is short. Now, to us, 2,000 years doesn't sound short, but to internal being. What is being said to us about time? Well, firstly, once saved, we are spiritually perfect, protected for all time, in Christ. But there is a time where we're not promised physical protection. For how long? Until Christ returns. She's given the wings of the eagle so she might fly from the serpent for a time, and times, and half a times. 1,260 days. Three and a half years. How long is three and a half years if it's nearly nearly 2,000 years? What does three and a half years represent? How long is this period between Christ's ascension and Christ's return? People have been trying to work that out for years. And the best advice is to stop guessing. Stop guessing whilst living every day for Christ, knowing that Christ will return. When? No one knows. Only the Father. Now, of course, seven, listen carefully, has been the number throughout this revelation. John shows that God works in cycles of sevens, Sabbath cycles. Now, the bright sparks among you will have noticed three and a half is not seven, but it's half of seven. In other words, the age is not yet complete. We have to wait for the completion of the cycle which has been shortened. And therefore, like Hagar, we cry in the wilderness until, until Christ comes. And while we wait, as the people of God, 
we are protected for and provided for. One of my pupils, out of the blue, in front of the class, just asked, Sir, where's the safest place to be? And I answered pretty much straight away, In the centre of God's will. He looked shocked and said, In the centre of Glasgow? I laughed, but I got to say it again, No, Ewan, in the centre of God's will. If we remain loyal to Christ and stay in his will, although our bodies can be attacked, we cannot be hit by the flood of judgement. Throughout the Old Testament, the flood motif is used to describe judgement, but the accuser's accusation won't stick with us. He's failed. As you look at verse 17 and you see the furious dragon and him making war on the rest of the offspring, what a dramatic image were given of the devil's designs, desires and hatred of the church. He's keen to end us, whether it's by conflict, subtle temptation, preying on our need for approval or through lies, any of our weaknesses, targeting those who you love the most, who can hurt you the most. Denison Baptist Church, he's after you because you hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. But be brave and conquer by being a church together, united, united around prayer, word, the testimony and sacraments. You know, we need each other in the battle to help us remain true to Christ. And as we do remain under the protection of the blood of the Lamb, the dragon cannot touch the Lamb and cannot touch us. He's defeated by the victorious child in the manger. And when we witness to Christ, then we conquer. Being church has been reasonably easy and comfortable UK for, for many years. But the dragon is firing up. The battles are becoming clearer. There will be and is a cost to pay. But be brave, church, for earlier in the Revelation, we read, for the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Take heart, as like John, you hold to the testimonies of Jesus. You show you love him by meeting together and keeping his commands. You hold to the testimony of Jesus the Christ unto death. So church, you are the champions. In Christ, we are the conquerors. Daily as the dragon fires all he has at you. If you live Christ, you conquer. You win with Jesus. We win with Jesus. Sometimes when I played matches, I knew my team would win before we started because of one player. At our level, he was just that good. How much more when the Lord of the universe is on your side? What powers can separate us from him? What dragons, kings or beasts can dethrone him? Church, you defeat the dragon by the blood of the lamb. Be brave and conquer in sacrificial love, holding to the testimony of Jesus. Defeat the dragon, keep the Lord's commandments. Be brave. This age is just for a time. The age to come is for eternity. 
Lord God, we thank you for the victorious child that has defeated the dragon. Lord God, we thank you that we are part of the conquering church. Lord God, help us to take the danger of the dragon seriously. Help us to live knowing that you defeated him and disarmed him on the cross. Lord, we ask you would not lead us into temptation and testing, but that if it comes, you would deliver us from evil. We thank you, Lord, that we defeat the dragon and are victorious all because of you and the work of your cross. We thank you that your blood covers all our sins. We thank you for the atoning cup and the victorious child defeating the dragon. We pray in your name. Amen.